Good evening to everyone on YouTube and Spotify. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Shangri-La with myself and Kristen. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about our perceptions of reality and exploring the importance of play and allowing yourself to just play. And what we really mean by that when we say the importance of play, like what is what, what do we mean by the importance of play? It can mean so many different things. And I think we're, we're going to be talking a bit about a child, inner child play, especially, and allowing our inner child to embrace the moment and to just be and to experience what it needs to experience, you know, like a child kicking its feet in the sand. As adults, we often forget to just allow ourselves to play. To just, to just be free and to express ourselves, to dance, to sing, to draw, to do art, to just express in whatever way that we feel naturally drawn to because we overthink and we're taught as adults, oh no, you can't do this because it's childish. <laughs> but what is actually childish? Are we just saying that imagination is childish or is it that things that a child like or things we liked as a child is childish? What, what does that actually mean and how does that stop us from embracing our play um, but before any of that um, Kristen a uh, little meditation I think to, to start off with absolutely that would be so beautiful to share a bit of meditation space with you all so if we'd like to go ahead and start by connecting our breath you can close your eyes if you feel comfortable and we'll just take a nice deep inhale in together in through the nose out through the mouth Breath in. And release. Breath in. And release. Nice deep breath in. And release. On the exhale, allowing our shoulders to relax and bringing peace into our bodies. We can imagine ourselves in this moment being filled with light allowing our body to become relaxed and warm, filling with love and filling with peace. Just allowing yourself to be present in this moment, wherever you are, and sending your body a little bit of love and understanding If you'd like, we can imagine beautiful roots growing down from the base of our feet into the earth, reaching these roots into the layers of the earth, pressing through the clay and through the rocks, reaching down further into the center of the earth. And in this moment, you are safe. 
You are protected and you are loved. And with a nice deep breath in, we'll breathe this grounded energy in from the earth and into our bodies. Breath in. And release. Giving our bodies permission to release any tension or anxieties in this now moment. Whenever you're ready, we can open our eyes and bring our awareness back to this now moment. Well, I think if uh, anyone wasn't feeling grounded before, Kristen, they definitely will be now. Uh, mm. I've just gone from cloud nine to straight back onto earth Beautiful. <laughs> okay so let's have a little look so with how we perceive our realities everyone experiences reality in in, in so many different ways and, and two people can look at the same object and i want to to illustrate this with with a stick <laughs> so this little stick here that i found in the woods um I'll, I'll talk more about where you know where this stick came from and why i have it a little bit later but two people can look at this same stick and see two very different things uh for instance for me i see an antler it just reminds me of like a deer's antler um, but for somebody else, it may just look like a, a stick, you know, a, a random piece of wood that has no reason being inside a house. And it's just one of those basic ways that we perceive our realities in very different ways to whoever else. You know, a thousand people can look at the same thing and see a thousand different images. So then when it comes to putting our collective reality together and saying okay this is what reality really is how do we really figure out what reality is if we see different things if we perceive everything so different to one another and and again even looking at the same thing that we all say okay this is this is a cup okay but a thousand different people look at this one person sees it as a mixing bowl and then, you know another person sees it as just a cup that you drink from but it's the same thing is you know we're all saying okay well it looks like this but we perceive it to be used for different things therefore the reality of the object changes but we're still able to agree so how how does this really work in in uh in the sense of consciousness and how we all perceive things um because it is one of those bizarre questions that we can we could talk about for years and years and years is how our perception changes our reality and how it changes even physical properties of objects, how they change depending on how we see them. Um, so, I mean, Kristen, what do you see when you look, look at this? this? <laughs> I see a wand. <laughs> a wand, yeah. And to be honest, I was holding this earlier and I, 
I just turned around like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's still Padrona. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And But again, to somebody else, it's just a normal stick. It's it's not a wand, it's just a stick. Um, but then to some, you know, non-muggles, <laughs> it's a wand. <laughs> um, and even, even this here, again, it's just a normal stick. But to me, it's kind of like a wand. And the reason that, that I have these is um, actually on an, uh, an experience with LSD. And I was, in, I was in a forest and I was staring into the fire. And in, in the fire, um, and I took a photo of this and I looked back at the, the next day and I was really disappointed. Because in that moment, I looked into the fire and I saw a, a civilization in the embers. I saw people walking around us or staircases. It was magical. And then I saw a Native American just appear from the flames. And I was direct, my eyes were directed towards the sticks. So in the dark of night, with just the firelight to guide me, I came across some two sticks that look very different. But in that moment, these looked so powerful and magical. And looking at them with my eyes, they were glowing and they were just, I could see the power flowing away from them. But when I looked back at them the next day when the the LSD had worn off and I was completely sober again, I thought, well, these don't look the same. Where's the magic gone? Where's the, the flow gone? Why aren't they glowing anymore? And then there was, there was this piece of woods that when I collected it again with the same experience, it was kind of like a boat. Um, and it was, I, I can't describe what it was you know why i felt so drawn to it but it was it was partly like a boat but also like an instrument of some kind and i don't know what the purpose of it i can't remember what the purpose was but i just felt this has to be kept there's something about this that has to be preserved so just because of a tiny piece of material you know a tiny piece of paper with some stuff inside you know soaked inside it i was able to perceive three pieces of wood as truly magical material and conduits of pure magic but to the sober minds that perception is has gone in the background and we can't quite access it the same so Kristen, what is your take on the effects of um of things like acid and mushrooms and, and the reason that we, again, like these sticks, are able to perceive things like magic and alternate realities within within this one that we're in currently in our sober minds um, that we can't necessarily access otherwise. Awesome. So I'm really grateful that you brought up um, the effects of LSD on the perception of reality and how this affects it. So if you break it down scientifically, the LSD actually inhibits you from being able to connect with your um, pathways in your brain that connect to decision making and um, planning. And so what it does is it keeps you from being as connected to that part of your brain and it actually opens up the receptors in your brain that are connected to sensory function and movement. So essentially it brings you from being very in your mind and focused on things going on up here 
to being more aware of the physical reality that we live in and that we experience, which is why you hear so many stories of people who have taken LSD and have been able to experience, you know, all of these incredible things like the movements or the sounds of the lights, the colors, the, the, like you said, you looked into the flames and you saw, you know, people and everything. And it's, and I really feel like it's because you're less out of your mind whenever we're so focused in our mind and on the decision-making and the planning aspects of life where we tend to live um, from, we kind of keep ourselves from being able to experience the physical reality that we live in. And so I know for myself that it has been in many aspects of my life, my own reality comes forward to me whenever I actually do stop and just acknowledge what's happening around me in this now moment, as opposed to being in my mind and thinking about, you know, oh, so if I'm having an experience where, let's just say, Aaron, you and I were sitting here having a conversation, right? In my perception, we are experiencing this beautiful conversation. And I could see you as, as a, a dear friend who I've learned and grown with. And, you know, it's been absolutely beautiful. And that's my perception of, of reality, right? But then you can look at it from your perception of reality where it's like, well, whatever your experiences have been in our communication and in our conversations is gonna be how you see the connection between you and I. So just understanding that, Seeing seeing your reality comes from a place of understanding the physical things happening between us, but also understanding the non-physical aspect. And I think in order to really be able to tap into that, we have to be able to get out of our minds and, and get into our hearts and really be able to focus in on that, um, the sensory perceptions that we so often choose not to utilize. Absolutely. And many many psychedelics tend to get you out of your head you know it's easy to have all these thoughts jumbled up and you don't know what to do with them and you don't know you know how to say them or how to physicalize them or, or verbalize them and a lot of psychedelics take that from your brain and takes it into your heart space so you can really feel that which is why with the, you know when you're uh, you know influenced by psychedelics you feel that love and you feel that connection to everything and acid really or lsd really intrigues me because of the the physical changes in reality and our you know our perceptions of reality are determined by our our previous experiences you know again take it back to the stick you can see this as a deadly weapon or a wand something magical or just a stick it depends you know maybe somebody's really injured you with a stick in the past so every stick you see around you have a weapon um so your previous experiences of you know the, the world around you determine your perception of of what you're seeing and what you're experiencing but with lsd it takes it a step further and shows you a world beyond what you can physically experience and by this i'm really getting at how the field could become so malleable and changeable and it, you almost see the energy and everything begin to flow and the interesting thing is that quantum physics tells us that nothing in reality nothing in the universe is solid and if you look into your hand you know we see oh, i can feel it now it feels very tough it feels very solid and if you touch your hand you will feel well this is skin my hand is is solid it's definitely there it, you know you can't say it's not there because i can feel it if i hit the table it's gonna you know it's gonna stop where the table uh starts but in reality if you look deep into your hand under a very powerful microscope 
there is more empty space in your hand than there is anything else. And the same in reality. The, most of the universe is made up of empty space. So nothing is actually solid because there is space between even the smallest cells in the universe. So science or conventional science or psychology would say that what you're experiencing in an LSD trip or, or even a mushroom trip or any other kind of you know psychedelic experience is essentially psychosis or, or a form of psychosis, uh, whether short term or, or long term. So my, my thinking is, is it psychosis? Is it the brain being distorted in a negative way? Or is psychosis a form of the brain uh, accessing some form of alternate reality that we can't normally perceive and because that hasn't been the the consensus between people you know our reality is you know the idea of sanity and insanity only exists because we agree what insanity or sanity means you know if you say I see dead people everywhere somebody might say you're insane and another person may go oh so do I <laughs> therefore between those two people seeing dead people well that's not insanity that is more sane than if you can't see because you're seeing what's really there behind the veil but to somebody who doesn't see people they'd say well you're crazy you're insane you need you know you need to medication um so is it really psychosis or is it accessing parts of reality that we can't normally perceive because we are only experiencing what's it, 0.1 percent of the visible spectrum in the universe is what we experience when we're sober. So how much more of that are we experiencing under an LSD trip? Or is it just our brains going insane and experiencing psychosis or some kind of mental disorder while we're in that experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I'm not a scientist. I don't know all the details about it. But in the research that I have done, I've learned that whenever somebody does take LSD, they're actually activating 65% more of their brain than what we use on a daily basis. And what this means is that your brain is actually triggering chemical trails throughout your brain, connecting pathways that don't normally get ignited or lit up. And so it's actually allowing you to access more. So from my perception of reality, when it comes to LSD or taking any other sort of, you know, psychedelic um, inhibitor, it would be that it's actually opening you up to more of your reality and connecting you to more of what's happening around you. I know in my experience, I had um, on one of the ceremonies that I took with LSD, it was very much um, connected with music. And I was able to feel the music as if it were ribbons in the air. And I played with them just as though they were physically in my hands. It wasn't, it wasn't a you know, imagination or seeing things, but it was very much a physical reality at the moment. And so being able to connect with that in an LSD trip was something that really opened me up to the ability to manipulate and work with energy while dancing. And so being able to see the power of feeling that energy and seeing the colors of it and feeling it move around my body and interacting with my own body. Because if we go back to the fact that we're all vibrating atoms bouncing off of each other, and you know, just like this crystal is nothing but vibrating atoms bouncing off of one another, it's no different 
than my hand, right? But somehow these atoms, these particles are interacting with each other. Physically, we can't see it. Physically, it looks like it's its own, you know, separate space. But if you were to zoom in and look under a microscope, you would see that it's actually more empty space than it is solid, right? And so just being able to understand that we are all absolutely um, malleable and being able to work with that energy is absolutely beautiful. Being able to work with it now in an ability of not taking any kind of psychedelics, but just being completely sober and saying, I can connect with that energy and utilizing it to um, control and manipulate my reality. So for example, if I'm having a day where I feel like my energy is really stagnant and I'm not um, maybe I'm in a depressed mood or I don't feel like, you know, moving very much. What I'll do is I will remember the fact that I am an energy being and there's energy all around me. And I use that energy to move and manipulate my own energy field that allows this energy to be released from my space. And then I can feel better. And it really does work. It helps me on my day-to-day -day basis. You know, if I'm feeling stagnant, I get up and I move and I shake it out and I you know, get that energy that's within my space moving and then it lifts my mood. It encourages me to do things. And so um, I think that it's really important whenever we're talking about our realities and what we're experiencing and understanding that you have the ability to change your reality in, in maybe not in the big ways that you may want. Like it, it, it maybe you can't just go out and buy that new house or have that new car, that new girlfriend, whatever it may be. But you can choose to change the things that you have control over, which is your own emotional state, your own physical state, and choosing things that helps you create that reality that you wish to step into. And so just understanding that you have the ability to do that and creating the opportunities for yourself to step into that. Yeah. And, and you know, as we're on the subject of energy being uh, something that we can universally tap into, this is something that all the great civilizations from the past that we now call antiquity, you know, like the Mayans, Babylonians, uh, uh, Sumeria, you know, the, and the ancient Egyptians, they all knew about the, the energy of the universe and how we can tap into that energy. And there's, uh, I think it's in France, the Karnak stones. Now, these stones are positioned very, very specifically, and every stone has magnetic properties. Now these stones stand, I think they're between like six, six foot tall and like 13 feet. Um, but they are specifically positioned to, to connect to the stones around it, collecting the energy and focusing it on a central point. And we can use modern science and measure the, uh, the, the electromagnetic energy around these stones and actually in the stones. So what the ancients were doing, they were taking the energy that's collected on the surface of the earth and using these stones that have magnetic properties to actually harness energy from, from the, the earth itself and to focus it on a very specific point. And these points are also called stargates or star portals. Mm -hmm. And these are points where shamans and, and other beings would stand and connect to the universe and this is where you get these stories of traveling across the universe into distant stars and distant planets because they're actually using energy energetic portals on earth which is why megaliths such as stonehenge the karnic stones 
and even pyramids all around the world, they're positioned specifically and they're built in specific ways to actually act as batteries. And there's even um, man-made hills all around the world that act as the same way. Mm -hmm. There's one in, um, I think it's in Salisbury in the UK that acts exactly the same as a battery. It's built on certain levels and at the very top of this level, uh, this hill even, or this mound, the energy is so focused at the center of this small hill. And, and this was another one of the Stargates and it's, you get incredible stories and, and little tales and little legends and myths that come from, from these places. And all they're doing is harnessing energy because we, we, we seem to think, or we seem to have gotten into this way of thinking with the, the rise of science over the last few hundred years that if we can't see it, it's not there or if it's not part of us, we can't access it. We need to create something else to, to, to see it or to feel it or to access it. So this is where science has come in and said, okay, well, there's energy somewhere. Well, how can we pull it into here? And we've created things like batteries. And now electricity is an interesting one because it's gone on a bit of a tangent here from, from the original topic, but electricity, if you think about it, is our physical creation of the natural energy that we're picking up we're trying to say okay well there's energy there but we need to put it into something that we can see so we can we can build wires and we can create things with modern electricity that we can see and we can use in that way but the ancients use the same power as what we use we use electricity but they were using natural energy which is the purest form of electricity mm -hmm. and then they were accessing it with just their bodies and tapping into universal energy that had so much power that we couldn't comprehend it today. Wow. And I find it interesting how psychedelics allow us to feel that energy, just as you would see the ribbons of music or you'd feel the ribbons. And music is just waves of sound hitting you. So it makes sense why you'd feel them as, as ribbons because it's exactly the same way, it's flowing into you. So you are physically feeling the energy that is in the universe and this is what psychedelics really allow us to do is to tap into that natural energy that's always around us we're, we're a part of the same energy and when we begin to see just as you um, explained with the crystal in your hand when we begin to see everything in the universe is not just solid um you know non-malleable material that's not a part of us and it's like well this is completely different you know this stick isn't me this stick is just it's a stick and it's me if I see it as, well, this is a part of nature, I am part of nature, therefore we are one in the same, just two different um, manifestations of the same energy, because that's all it is. I am just a bunch of atoms that decided to cluster into me, and this stick is a bunch of atoms that decided to cluster into a stick. So it is exactly the same thing, just different manifestations. Therefore, we begin to see that our own energy is malleable, and we can harness energy from outside of us, but we can also transfer energy. And then we get into the realms of things like energy healing and energetic transfer between people. Um, and anyone who's, who's mildly empathic would have experienced this uh, at least you know, sometime in your life, how you really soak up energy from other people and how you have your energy taken away by others. Because this is just a form of that energy transfer between living beings. And it can even happen with physical locations is a physical location can drain you 
because it's taking your 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 energy or other locations again like karnak stones like stonehenge and all these other me megalithic sites you will experience something very physical and these sites used to be used to gain you know like divination and also for um for like transcendental um you know journeying work uh, and for ascension or what we call ascension and it's because the energy of these sites it doesn't just take energy away but it gives us energy because we are again like a powerhouse like a battery just as these sites around the world act as batteries by the natural magnetic stones like focusing that energy into one place uh, so when you really begin to look into all of this you really see that actually reality as we see it or as we believe it to be for the last you know maybe thousand years is far from the reality that we we would have experienced you know two to ten thousand years ago that reality is very very different um, for a very long time absolutely I'm, I'm grateful you brought up the empathic abilities and how we really do if you if you are somebody who's not familiar with um, what an empath is it's somebody who can really connect with um, the energies of other people that are around them and if you are somebody who's very susceptible to um, you know soaking in other people's energies it can look like you go from being let's say you're driving your car you're going down you know, to the store, right? And you're in a good mood, you're listening to the music, everything's good, you're maybe singing a song, having a good time, and then you get to the store and all of a sudden your your mood is just totally changed. You are now stressed, you're you're feeling anxious, maybe you're maybe you even feel a little bit angry. And this is because as energetic beings we are all connected and so whenever you go into a new space with other beings and if the people in the store are already anxious or angry then you might be soaking in some of their energies and so that's why it's really important that we do truly learn to understand our realities as opposed to other people's realities and being able to create those lines that keep us from always soaking in other people's and, and as an empath, I want to empower you guys to know that you have the tools to be able to walk into that store where people may be having bad energy and you don't have to be affected by it. You can absolutely hold your sovereignty and um, know that you are not going to be totally derailed because somebody else with a negative attitude or you know, might be experiencing something negative is going to come into your space. And so um, I know for myself, I practice a lot of shield techniques and a lot of this is just mental awareness and bringing in the fact that I am my own being I am whole I am protected and imagining envisioning a very solid uh, crystalline shield that wraps all the way around my body over the top over the bottom of my feet and um, allowing myself to be in an energetic space that I've created that is filled with peace and and love and then that way no matter where I go I know that in my own energy field. And part of that is being able to be aware of it. And so a lot of that starts with just mindfulness and paying attention to what is happening around you and what's happening within you and trying to divide those lines between, okay, is what's happening right now directly related to how I feel or am I feeling something that's not related to what's going on and being able to discern the difference between the two for yourself. Um, and then create those spaces for yourself to be able to just connect and, and show yourself love. Um, I feel like it's really important whenever we are 
in the healing process of being able to see that a lot of the times the realities that we are experiencing are based off of our experiences and our learning what we've been taught so like you said you know you brought up the stick i don't i don't have a stick i have lots of crystals though so we'll, we'll grab another rock you know like i've been taught this is a rock right this is a clearish white rock and so that is now my perception of my reality right but if you've been raised in a society where this is not a rock this is a you know lemurian crystal that holds sacred power and can cleanse your auric field well now this is something that is not just a white rock right and so understanding that whenever you are working with your reality because here's the thing guys it's so easy to be overrun by our reality if we're not aware of it and to say oh i am a victim of the circumstance i am you know i have to i have to be in this situation because this is my reality and yes i'm not trying to say that you can escape from your reality but you can be aware of it and connect with the parts of it that truly honor yourself and so just really being aware of what's going on and being honest with yourself too i think a lot of the times it's easy for us to allow those trauma that we've experienced in our life to kind of affect our reality so for example if you're in a relationship with somebody where they are really abusive right and they are constantly um you know tearing you down or making you feel bad and so you guys break up and you split and you go your own ways later on down the road you might look back on this relationship and say oh that relationship was horrible they were always mean all the time everything was you know bad they they had this and this going on that's your perception of the reality if you take a moment and you sit down and you look at the reality that happened and you say okay sure this is how they acted in this situation or this situation but what was going on the rest of the time what was happening whenever they weren't being mean or abusive what was going on in my life and so understanding that you don't have to be totally attached to that one part of the reality where yes you experienced trauma you experienced something that was bad but what about everything else that was happening in your life that was beautiful or positive or motivating and so for me anyways i know it's been really empowering to be able to step into a place of saying yes i've been through this this is this has affected my reality and it has affected how i interact with other people or how i show up but being able to kind of like reclaim my reality by saying but i also see the beautiful things that were happening i also see the growth that i did i see the the kindness that my friends showed me i can see the you know fun times that i had when i was at my you know job or with my friends and so understanding that especially when it comes to trauma and working through healing that you know it's easy to get focused on that one thing and lose track of everything else that happens and you're going to be really empowered whenever you open yourself up to seeing the whole picture and welcoming in the entirety into your space so that way you can have a more um, expanded perception of your reality and being able to um, use that for healing <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned, uh, you know, about trauma and, and seeing other things that are going on in your life, because something that I teach and I, I call it the just happy practice. Um, and, and 
igniting or empowering your inner happy factory, as I call it. And by this, I, I use the uh, a, a somewhat controversial saying, which is, if you truly want to be happy, you already are. And as we're you know talking about perception, it kind of fits well, because if you perceive yourself as unhappy or depressed, you will perceive more of that because you're actively looking for the things that will make you more depressed or you're looking for the negatives. And it's it's not about saying, well, you have to just pretend to be happy and, and, and ignore the depression or ignore any negative feelings. It's not to say that, but it is to say that when we focus on the negative, we will see, and it's not, uh, going into the law of attraction, you can look at it in two ways. One is that you are actually attracting things. You are actually materializing things from elsewhere into your reality. But if you don't believe in the law of attraction and you don't believe in manifestation, I'd, I want to offer a slightly different look. That it's not that you're attracting things from outside. It's just that you are creating them inside your head. You're saying, OK, well, life is crap. So now your brain is going to start to look at all the things that you don't like in your life, which means it's not to say that necessarily you're attracting more negative things into your life, but you're noticing more negative things or you're creating negatives from, from things that may be more positive than you've realized. So just how you see your reality or how you tell yourself you see your reality, because you can see something that's beautiful and, and you can tell yourself that it's horrible and you hate it. That, and then you'll start to hate it because you're telling yourself consistently that you don't like it. So you're, what you tell yourself and what you and this is why your inner voice is so important to get that friendship and to get that union with your inner voice and your inner critic. Because what you tell yourself internally is the reality that you will create outside of yourself. And the most successful people on the planet would say the same thing. What you tell yourself is what you will have. If you tell yourself you are depressed, you will be depressed. If you tell yourself you can't do something, you won't be able to do it. And, uh, and again, you know, he who says he can and he who says he can't are both right. Your perception is everything because your perception creates your reality. And I just want to reiterate, it's not to say that if you are suffering from depression, you should just tell yourself you're not depressed. That's not kind of the, you know, the, the get out from that and the recovery. It's uh, much more to do with the, the healing process through depression and healing through the triggers and the trauma and working through that. But one aspect of that is how you position your mind. If you have your mind in a position of, okay, well, I am depressed. I am suffering from depression. Your brain is instantly saying, okay, well, we're not releasing chemicals. We, we, we haven't got enough dopamine and serotonin and oxy oxytocin Okay, so yeah, we are depressed because we're not creating it. Is understanding that your brain isn't in control of you. You are in control of your brain. So when you begin to say to your brain, we are creating these chemicals, after a while, your brain starts to see, ah, oh, okay, well, when I give my mind something negative, it's turning it into a positive. And it's telling me that I should be happy about this. It's telling me that I should see this in a better way. So your brain then begins to program to start to release these chemicals and hormones that it was missing before. And this is the, the connect between more what we call new age energy healing or new age um, ways of looking at things compared to medicine. 
because a doctor of the past would say, okay, you're depressed, here's some antidepressants, which we know through, and, and some people benefit really well from them, and others don't benefit so well, or they will feel more numb than, than be able to feel, because this medication is built on not living energy, but dead energy. It's giving you just a tablet that alters your brain on a physical way, but your brain isn't influenced by the physicalities the physicalities are influenced by the non-physical realities that we can't actually perceive consciously. So the way to cure any kind of mental illness is to look at the ways that the mind is working because the mind and the brain are two separate things. So we can treat the brain as much as we like, but if we don't treat the mind along with the brain, we're just gonna be creating, again, this is where the numbness comes from because the mind is still in this state of I am feeling loads of emotions and it's really heavy. But the brain is then saying, well, we're not feeling anything because we've got some antidepressants that's stopping these feelings from happening. So then you get this gap between the mind trying to feel this stuff and the brain being stopped from actually allowing it to be physical emotion. So the way, again, to, 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 to look at this is to treat both mind and body as separate and not as one and the same because they are very different the mind is made of this conscious energy that we can't see we can't understand where the conscious energy comes from that creates the mind but we can see the brain we can understand the brain on a physical level but we often fail and many doctors fail to recognize it's the mind that is at it is diseased um and that the brain again is diseased but it's also the mind. You can't just treat the brain, you have to treat the energetic mind because that's what is in charge of the physical body and the physical brain. Absolutely, I'm, I'm truly grateful you mentioned that aspect, Aaron. I know for myself, um, I was on medication for many years to work with uh, PTSD and trauma. And I found now in my in my medication, I was also going to counseling and therapy and working through all the different uh, medical techniques. And I went through this process for about five years and I just wasn't feeling better. I wasn't getting the outcome that I wanted. And it's like, you know, if you look at it from the scientific point of view, I was taking the medicine that was supposed to help with the brain. I was taking the action that was supposed to help with the, you know, mind and being able to um, do the exercises and work through it. And what I found was that I had actually disassociated myself from the ability to feel because I had experienced so much that I wasn't able to process. And then rather than working through connecting back with those emotions, I just got on medication that was supposed to solve the problem, right? And of course, instead of solving the problem, it created further dissonance. And so I know in my own journey, it's been really empowering to separate myself from those medications and connect back with my body. And that's one of the reasons I started working with Reiki was because it was a natural energy healing that I can connect with that connects through my energy to, you know, the energy that that runs through everything and being able to connect back with that allowed me to learn how to feel again, how to, how to be able to accept love into my life or to how to express my anger in a positive, healthy manner. And um, just really creating the opportunities to be able to um, 
be connected with my reality in a way that was very physical and not just the, you know, yeah, I'm going through the motions, I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do, but actually being an active participant in the reality. And I know as well, working with um, positive affirmations, I know you said, you, you mentioned um, just being able to like speak, speak to your reality, right? And I know a lot of the times people will be like, oh, well, positive affirmations, you know, if you wake up every day and you say, I am successful, like, you know, well, you could look at it two ways and say, okay, if you're just gonna wake up every day and say, I am successful, you're not actually bringing success into your life, but you are changing your mindset saying, every day I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna say I am successful. And whenever you first start doing it, it might be kind of like, you know, I am successful, you know, like <laughs> not really very heartfelt, but the more you do it and the more heart that you put behind it and you wake up one day and you're like, you know what? I am successful. I'm going to, I am successful. I'm going to be this person. I am already being this person and allowing yourself to find that passion and, and motivate yourself from the heart. Then you create the, the pathways in your brain of being like, Hey, she's saying that we are successful. This is a pathway we don't necessarily connect with often. Normally we're telling ourselves we're the opposite or we're not doing enough. And so whenever you create that pathway that now says I am successful, now you have opened yourself up to the opportunity to start creating spaces for yourself to be successful and creating the space for your brain to even think in a way of being successful. It works the same as like, I am confident. You know, it's it's really easy to have low, low self-esteem, low confidence in, in the worlds that we grow up in, but to claim your confidence and to wake up and say, you know what, I am confident. I am confident, I am confident. And you just say it and then you believe it and you start to feel it. And I think that's really the trick is allowing yourself to make the connection between what you're saying and how you feel. And then bringing that into the, the reality of saying, okay, well, if I am confident, I, I'm starting to feel confident. I think confidently. Now, what can I do to actually be confident? And um, so, yeah, I think that that's really important whenever we're talking about the realities that we experience. If you're somebody that has really struggled and you're trying to change that perception to just know that it starts with baby steps and it starts with believing in yourself. And you know, it's going to be hard at first, at first you're going to start off and you're going to say, I'm not, I don't, I am confident, like question mark, but the more you do it and the more you believe in yourself, the more you create those pathways for your, your physical brain to be able to think about it in a way that you may not have before you're giving yourself the opportunity to step into this level of reality that you wish to desire for design for yourself. Um, you know, my, my, my motivation for this conversation was today was to be able to open up the possibility for anybody to not feel stuck in their realities and this is just from my own experience because I, I know, I know how hard it is. The traumas we go through in life, the way that we're raised, what we're taught in school, what we're taught in our jobs and, and where we go, it's we are walking around soaking up everything that we feed our bodies. What you watch on social media, what you read in books, what you listen, the, even, even the type of music that you listen to physically affects your reality because everything is vibrations. Everything is sound waves, like you said. And so, you know, making minor adjustments, making small changes can end up having really big ripples later on down the road and creating yourself the space to be able to say, 
you know what? I'm going to start with just this one little thing. I can do this one little thing. Maybe I can't just wake up one day and be this big successful person, but I can wake up and start feeling it. I can wake up and start saying that. And then I can take one little tiny step. What's one thing that you can do each day to fill that role of, of whatever it is. If you want to call more love into your life, if you want to feel more loved, start saying it, start feeling it and create spaces for yourself to do this. We are truly limitless beings by nature. We are limitless. The only limits that we experience in this life are things that we place upon ourselves. And so if you find yourself in a situation where you're stuck or where you don't feel like you can, try to look at it from another situation and try to figure out a way to say, I am not stuck. I can create, I can do something else and just allowing yourself to play. And that's why for me, that's why for me, it's so important to play because how can you know what you can do in life if you don't try? And sometimes you're going to fail and that's okay. It's okay to fail because that's where we learn our great lessons is in the failures. And then you can take that and say, okay, you know what? I tried being a famous singer and it didn't work out very well for me. I, I, I blew it. it. It was not what I wanted. But then you learn yourself what you actually want in life and what actually connects with you. And you gave yourself the opportunity to get up and have fun. You know, I, I think it's really important to just to have fun for the, for the general play of it. I'm going to bring it back to the sticks that you brought up in the very beginning. You know, it's like, yeah, the sticks, like it's just a stick. All right. It's just a stick. But or it could be a magic wand and Aaron and I can sit here and play spells at each other using the wand. Which reality would you rather live in? I know I would much rather play with wands. Well, that's the thing. Once, you know, a few thousand years ago, and we can see this depicted in almost every religious illustration you'll see of Moses, of Jesus, and and going back even further to um, like Mayan traditions and even further than that, the amount of people that are depicted holding either a short stick or a staff. And we see that wizards and sorcerers from only, what, four or five thousand years ago in Europe were seen holding a staff. And the thing is, this was a way of harnessing energy. And because energy isn't, and again, you can harness energy into, especially a stick holds energy, it is all a battery. And the human body is a battery. And if you see the stick as not just a stick, but an extension of yourself, then you can channel that universal energy through you into the wand or the staff, which then creates the power. And now ancient, ancient civilizations or, or, or even the, the origins of antiquity or of, of, of religions in antiqu antiquity even they all use some form of magic and you see jesus turning water into wine making bread go between hundreds of people this is a form of magic on a very different level to what we, we see now you know you've got harry potter and you've got you know other, other films that depict magic as we see it now but let's take it back to its origins and the things that we're told people could do or, or beings could do. And there is so much evidence out there of ancient aliens who visited Earth and gave technology. And we have the stories of the Anunnaki from the oldest civilization um, that we know of, which is Sumeria or Mesopotamia. But this is also depicted 
in every single culture around the world we see beings that are human-like but they're not quite human they're either depicted as fish-like beings or some kind of reptilians or um like alligator kind of heads or dog heads or cats and all across the world we have what they say the gods who came down from the heavens or came down from the skies and the sumerians tell us how they interbreeded with humans and played with genetics so we have all this evidence from the ancient world that tells us that the gods or what we would now call aliens came to earth gave technology built things created people and it's not too far-fetched when you begin looking at all the evidence and piecing it together that actually magic wands and magic staffs were once a very powerful tool for many people because you know we, we say magic is now a legend or a myth but every myth is born from legend and every legend is born from truth so the fact that we even have this idea of magic today and we you know we have the stories of witches and wizards and sorcerers in the past says that there has to be some level of truth in what we now perceive as a fairy tale or folklore because it all came from some form of truth and the fact that we have depictions as old as five or ten thousand years old or even longer you know some people believe the pyramids date back to before the great flood which is now believed to be at least fifteen thousand years ago so 15,000 years ago, there were depictions of gods, godlike beings like Enki and uh, is it en Enil, the Anunnaki leaders, depicted holding sticks as they're doing doing work. And again, it's just our reality the, to them back then. The perception of reality was magic is real. It's used every day. It's used for basic things. You know, magic is everywhere. It's not even magic. It was just, <laughs> you know, as we would now take a laser you know we get a laser pen and shine it that's our mod, our version of magic that was just an everyday occurrence in the in the ancient world but our perception today is that magic isn't real if you go into the street and ask ask a random person do you believe in magic that today they'll probably say no you're an idiot <laughs> magic isn't real but then there could be people in the world today that still use magic because there are civilizations that we've probably never come into contact with, say, in the Amazon. There are so many civilizations that have never had outside modern human contact. So what's to say that magic doesn't still exist somewhere in the world today? <laughs> well, in my perception of reality, Aaron, magic definitely exists. <laughs> um, but with the, and you mentioned about feeling what you, what you tell yourself and affirmations, and again, the most successful and the richest people in the world will tell you they do affirmations every single day. They tell themselves, you know, I am successful, I am powerful, I am grateful. That's a really big one, getting yourself into a place of gratitude for life and gratitude for yourself and, and acceptance as well. But the reason we we should feel it, because if if you say something, you don't necessarily believe it, you're just saying empty words. To, to get a point of view across. It's just an empty word as a means to an end. But when you embody what you say, you believe what you say. You you know, you, you can say something and not feel confident in it. And it really shows when you're not confident in what you say, you people can hear, well, you don't, you, you sound a bit, you sound like you doubt what you're saying. You don't, I can tell you don't believe it. It's not heartfelt. And then you can also say, I could really feel the power in your words. I could really feel how confident and passionate you were about what you were saying. It really touched my heart. So you see words have power because other people can feel what we say 
They can feel what we talk about on a physical level, which means if other people can feel what we are saying, how do we feel it? Because we're the ones saying it. So how do our own bodies? Because we don't recognize how our own words affect our bodies. But you will recognize how somebody else's words affected you. And it works in the same way. What you tell yourself and what you believe about yourself is what you become. So if you tell yourself you are successful, but not just tell yourself, you embody those words. You believe, you really feel that sense of success. And this can be, I made my bed this morning and I cleaned my room. Well, that's success. That's <laughs> basic success, yeah. And it doesn't have to be extreme. It doesn't have to be, oh, I made a million pounds last night. It doesn't matter. It's not about money. It's not about anything else. It's about what you've achieved, counting the very small levels of success. And if you're struggling to find anything you've succeeded at, again, take it to the basics. I made my bed this morning. And that's why many millionaires and entrepreneurs will say the first thing they do every morning as soon as they get out of bed is make the bed because that sets your mind into achieving. Okay, I completed the first task of the day. The second I've got out of bed, I've made my bed. Therefore, I have already achieved something. So then when you go to the mirror, you, you get out of bed, make your bed, go to the mirror and say, I am successful. I have already achieved the first task of the day. I am going to achieve the next task of the day. And you can, you can take this a step further. If you're really struggling to get into this, take it a step further. Don't just do it once a day. But say if you're working from home at the moment, every time you pass a mirror in your house, look yourself just for a second and just say, I am successful. I am powerful. I am happy. And say it, every single, it might feel a little bit vain to start with, of course, because you're looking yourself in the mirror and talking to yourself. Society will have us believe that's vanity, but it's reprogramming because if I was to sit here and say, you are successful, you are powerful, you are abundant, you are magical, well, you're gonna look at me and go, why? How do you know that? That's wrong, you don't know that. Whereas if you look at yourself in the, in the eyes and tell yourself those things, your brain is registering that very quickly because it's you that's giving yourself the information. So your brain soaks it up, you know, like a baby to the milk. It will just, I need it. Okay, give it to me. <laughs> so it's really important to, to really allow yourself to get these really deep rooted in your brain because the more you do it, the more you get yourself into this habit of affirmations mm -hmm. and, um, you know, speaking about what you're wanting to attract and what you're bringing in and in, not just speaking about it, but embodying it at the same time, your brain starts to reprogram itself. And I, I just want to touch on what you said about, um, about the mind and changing the mind before the physical side of things. It's kind of like when I was giving up smoking for, for years, I would try and give up and I would say, I'm giving up smoking. Or I would say to somebody, you know, somebody would, would offer me a cigarette and I'd say, oh no, I've given up. I'm giving up. And I would always go back. The most I, I, I managed was about three months and I went back to smoking. But I gave up smoking last year and for about a month, I didn't, I didn't tell anyone that I stopped smoking. I just stopped smoking. I just, I burnt my tobacco, I burnt everything and I watched my addiction fly away. And now I don't say, oh, I've given up. I might do occasionally, but the, the, the thing I say most is I don't smoke. I don't smoke. Because I don't. It's not a case of I, I'm not saying that I haven't given up. I'm just saying right now I don't smoke 
because that tells my brain well that you're not you're not acknowledging addiction you're not acknowledging that you did smoke or that you might want to smoke i'm saying i don't smoke and it works the same if i if i keep saying i'm addicted to smoking my brain's gonna say yeah you are you're addicted to nicotine you want it go on you want some go on and here's the thing with nicotine patches and things that like the nicotine chews and things it's treating the physical body the physical body saying i want nicotine so you put a nicotine patch on you eat a, eat you eat like a a nicotine capsule thing that gives your brain some nicotine sure you're giving yourself nicotine may relieve a little bit of stress but your mind wants to smoke so if your mind isn't ready to give up smoking you can give your body as much artificial nicotine as you like but you're still going to crave the nicotine you're still going to crave the cigarette because your mind isn't in that mindset of i do not smoke it's in the mindset of i am trying to give up smoking so when you then start to tell yourself i do not smoke your brain instantly goes well, we don't suffer from addiction. We're not addicted to nicotine. We don't need it because we don't smoke. <laughs> so treating the mind before the body, because you can try giving up smoking as many times as you want. Unless you get yourself in the right mindset, you will always go back to smoking because your mind isn't ready. Your mind, and it, this is with things like smoking and addiction, it's a constant occurrence. If I'm around somebody who smokes now and then I start saying, oh, no, 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 I'm give, I've given up. I've given up. I've given up. That I've noticed the change. I then start to crave the cigarette. But then when I say, no, no, I don't smoke, it shuts that pathway off that my brain then says, we don't smoke. So we don't need to worry about it. But when I say I've given up, I don't want it. My brain opens up that pathway and says, well, we used to and we used to really enjoy it. So maybe we're going to tempt you down this road. And then I have to fight really hard to stop that, to stop my mind from giving in to temptation. So it really shows this in a physical way how what you say to yourself and what you say out loud to other people affects how you know what pathways your brain opens up to and how you program those pathways into your brain and it takes 21 days to develop a, to start to develop a habit but it takes 90 days to develop it into a permanent lifestyle so 21 days just to start to form that's not to form anything that's to start a habit if you do something for 21 days consistently like get up first thing do make your bed then go to the mirror do some affirmations and, and meditation or whatever do that exact thing in the exact same way and this is the importance of a morning routine because when you do it in the exact same way for 21 days your brain start begins to open up those neural pathways to create this habit but after 90 days so after three months of doing the exact same thing in the exact same way every single day without fail, your brain has cemented these neural pathways into a lifestyle. And that's why it's so hard to, you know, you, you get really frustrated if you haven't done it because it's your lifestyle. It's something that it's built into you. It's programmed into who you are to do these specific things in certain ways. And this is why um, people will come out of the military and be this has to be done this certain way because they've been spending months and months and months or years being told you have to do this, you have to do this, it has to be done at this exact moment, this exact time, this exact way, because it's the neural pathways that they developed in the military are cemented into their mind. And that's why it's so hard for, for any ex-servicemen or women to, to come out of those, those what we call habits, uh, but it's actually their lifestyle. It's actually then programmed into who they are because the neural pathways were cemented through uh, 
you know, the, the time when they had to do certain things in certain ways at certain times. Absolutely. So reprogramming your mind is something that we absolutely have the power to do as humans. It takes the repetition and the consistency and embodying it, allowing yourself to step into new things and create new spaces for yourself to reprogram in a way that you desire for yourself. And I think it's so important that we talk about the importance of our words and what we say. And it, and it sometimes can just be the manner of how you say it. Like, for example, if I say, I hope you have a good day, I have actually insinuated that somewhere in your day, you might not have a good day because of the word hope. Whereas if I take that word out and I say, have a good day, now there it leaves no room for this, this negativity to be in your space. And so just choosing the words that you use very wisely and being mindful of everything you say, or if you say, I will try, you know, you know what, Aaron, you've really motivated me. I'm going to try to wake up and make my bed and do affirmations. I'm going to try to do that. Well, now I've just like doubted myself by saying the word try. Take that word out and just say, I will do the affirmations. I will make my bed. I will do these things. And then that way it's programming your mind to say, no, there is no try. It's the I will, the I am. And that's why those power words are so important to just utilize at, at whatever will you can. And, and I encourage anybody that might be struggling with any aspect of your life to know that there is absolute room for growth and to empower yourself just based on your own choices and the words that you decide to bring forward. And so bringing that mindfulness back into whatever it is that you're doing is going to open that space for you. So beautiful, beautiful affirmations and a morning routine is so powerful to be able to really, truly transform your life and uh, bring you out of that stagnant energy. I know in life, it's easy to get into a place of feeling stagnated, even in our routines where we say, okay, this is what I have to do each and every day. And you can even wake up and make your bed and, and do your affirmations and do your meditation. But if you're not feeling it, if you're not doing it because it's coming from a place of desire from within, it's not going to have the effect on you that you truly want it to have. So just knowing that it's really combining that heart with the mind that's going to help uh, change the effect of the reality that you live in. And um, that's I'll, I'll bring it back to the importance of play and just having fun, you know. So if you wake up one day and you go about your morning routine and you know what, the affirmations, they're just you're not feeling it today. You made your bed, but you're still feeling like you're not successful have fun, do something that you enjoy, allow yourself to create change within your routine enough to inspire you. So for example, it would be if, if I wake up and I do my routine and I'm not feeling in it, I'm going to have a crazy dance session where I get out my finger dance and I do some crazy stuff with my fingers or I dance with my hips and I just have fun and enjoy it. Like dance, like no one's watching. Be in a space of non-judgment with yourself because at the end of the day, what good are you doing for yourself if you are creating this judgment around whatever actions you're doing? And so um, just understanding that 
play can create the opportunity to allow yourself to play with your reality and create new spaces for yourself to move into and to really be able to experience what you want out of life and not feeling like you have to be stuck in any particular space and knowing that you can claim that just by your own actions and your own thoughts and the consistency too. It's, it's, it's like finding the balance between being consistent with your routine and allowing the, the malleability of play to, to find a, a cohesive balance between the two and create that space for yourself. Yeah, that, that was um, a, a test that was created by NASA to test the creative genius of their rocket scientists. And uh, the test was incredibly successful, so they used it for many years, but they decided to test it on children. So they got uh, 1,600 children to do this test initially. And this staggering thing was 98% of 1,600 children tested as creative geniuses on this test. And they thought, okay, so 98% of children are creative geniuses. So why aren't 98% of adults creative geniuses? So they decided to test these children again, the same children five years later, and it dropped to something like 60 something percent. Mm. So they thought, okay, there's a decline. Well, let's test them five years again. So they, they waited another five years and tested the same children and it dropped. When they were about 15, it dropped to just 2%. Mm. So, I mean, when you very first start school and you have like preschool or in America, I think you call it kindergarten, um, where you play, you know, you're just a, a child and you're allowed to play. And then like in, in, in the UK, we go into like year one and year two, I think, you, you know, first and second grade. Um, and then suddenly you're not playing as much. You're spending the majority of your day working. And this takes the creativity away. And this test, uh, since these results have been found, has actually been done with millions of children around the world. The results have been the same. The education system with the structure it currently has today actually suppresses and takes away our imagination as we get older. So as children, 98% of us are creative geniuses and could solve all of the world's problems. 98% of us are geniuses and, you know, to match or even to contend with NASA's rocket scientists who are developing ways to colonize space and other planets in the galaxy. Now, what this says is that when we don't allow ourselves to be imaginative and to play we lose that part of ourselves we lose the imagination and this is i, I to be honest i i didn't draw or paint for for a very long time and i painted something i painted a house on a hill last year <laughs> i looked at it and it looked like five-year-old me had painted it because it was <laughs> such a basic painting and I saw such beauty in that because it suddenly dawned on me that I haven't drawn for ages but my art had reverted back to my childhood ability of art and I thought so would reconnecting with my child self allow me to further develop my art by reconnecting with the current ability that I have and again, it just shows the importance of allowing yourself to express and be creative. Because again, with art, I hadn't drawn for ages, so I drew, I drew like five-year-old me would have drawn. 
But then if I allow myself to indulge in art, my art gets better. My imagination increases my ability to draw things accurately. Like some of your paintings, Kristen, incredible. I thought they were actually just prints from the internet when I first saw them um, and ha I had a little look and it was like, oh, you, you painted them, wow. And, and again, because if you allow your imagination to flow and you allow it to expand, that's really what happens. But when we say, oh, no, I'm not drawing today. I'm not going to paint. I'm not going to go out and play. I'm not going to allow myself to do these things that my my inner child would love to do. We suppress it, and it, it just becomes less and less and less. Just as the school system, it goes from 98% of us creative geniuses to 60-something percent of us, and then 2% of us. Within 10 years, only 2% of us are creative geniuses because we're not allowed to express our imaginative creativity in the world and a lot of this is if you if you look at a problem in the world like uh something i've been looking at recently is the problem of sanitation in the third world and for for many years they said oh well it can't be done it's too expensive because we're looking at the western uh, sanitation system we go to the toilet we flush it it goes into a sanitation plant gets sanitized filtered and cleaned and sent back up in the third world to have that infrastructure they would have to rip up the ground under millions of homes, which is unrealistic and would cost too much. So they say, well, it can't be done. And then I think in the 90s, there was more effort. So I think, I think Bill Gates, he hired an inventor to come up with a new plan, a new idea for the toilet. And what they, what they create was this toilet that would actually um, convert or treat the, you know, the sewerage inside the toilet itself as opposed to sending it off it was all done in one system and then they created like mini um water treatment plants that could be rolled out all across the third world so when you tell yourself it's already been done it didn't work that's it you shut off that create you start criticizing which shuts off the imagination but then if you say it it's been done and that didn't work the way it was done Okay, so how can we do it differently? Rather than saying it can't be done because it's already been done, say, okay, let's find a new way to do it. And they actually, you know, entrepreneurs around the world and inventors actually give these ideas to children to see what children come up with because they they start to recognize that actually children are creative geniuses and can solve all of the world's problems if we allow them to. But instead we say, okay, you've got to do this, this written exam that gives you questions that you've got to give an answer to. No, 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 no. Give a child a real world problem and say, how can we solve this? And this really should be the, the test and exams, SATs, GCSEs, A-levels, um, degrees of the future is here's a real world problem that the world needs to solve. OK, give me a realistic way that we can. And to pass the test, you, you're giving a way that's plausible. That part, the part, the way you pass that test would be to invent something that's plausible that could really be used rather than saying, okay, if Jim goes to the shop and buys five apples and then goes home and gets two more apples, how many apples does he have? That's good for getting maths, getting basic maths, but it's not good unless you are adding in creativity with that to allow the mind to expand as opposed to contract. Um, and, and it is really a case of not criticizing what you're doing. You know, like I say, if you say it's been done, it didn't work, you're criticizing it, which shuts the imagination down. Instead, open it up and say, how can we do it differently? Or this didn't work in the way that it's currently being done. 
okay, so what can I change about the current system? And this allows the imagination to flow. And this is really the importance of play for me is if we don't allow ourselves to expand our imaginations, to indulge in, in fun activities that allow the mind to just relax or expand in the form of art, art and like creative writing allows the mind to expand. And then we do the mundane things that make the mind go into autopilot and contract. So we need to do more of these things, allow our minds to expand so that we can actually tackle the, the, the things that plague humanity that we need to solve. And living in a, imagine living in a world where adults would go to the park and just play on swings or whatever. Imagine that kind of world rather than just, you know, business money or like, oh, no, I can't sit on a swing. That's not businessy. <laughs> you know, that's not proper. Actually, just be like, yeah, do not, we're going to play. We're going go to go to a park and we're just going to play. Imagine a world where people are that open and that down to earth and just relaxed. Uh, you know, surely we would all love to live in, in that kind of place as opposed to, you know, a more boring and mundane um, world. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I like to get on the swings when I go to the park. <laughs> <laughs> I will be the one you find running through the field playing with the flowers, okay, now that we've established <laughs> Or just climbing trees. I mean, how many adults actually climb trees anymore? Absolutely. Climbing trees is so much fun and, and allowing yourself to play, like create adventures. Like I'm going to climb up this tree and maybe I'll see all the way to the top of the world when I get up there. You know, finding finding the little animals that live in the different, you know, cubby holes of the tree. And one of my favorite things to do mm -hmm. when I go to the woods is to create little like adventures that could be happening along the sidelines like oh there's a little trail that goes off into the woods there i bet i bet there's a whole deer family that lives down there that you know hikes up here every day to get their their fresh air and their their sunshine and but you know it comes from a place of allowing yourself to not judge and and not judge yourself like let alone judging other people. That's that's a whole thing that, that we can work on at, at, at some point. But every single day, you can make the choice to not judge yourself. And whenever you choose to not, you open yourself to the opportunity of allowing yourself to play. It's like the best, the best example I can give is I, I sat down to paint with my brother. I love painting. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I used to be very judgmental of my paintings and say, oh, you know, I can't paint this to look exactly what it needs to look like. Or, you know, oh, my, maybe I'll choose the wrong brush or whatever. But, you know, at some point I just said, you know what? It's about having fun and it's about expression. It's about creating what from what's inside and bringing it out into the physical reality. And you know what? There is famous artwork out there that is literally just red paint on a wall, making thousands of dollars, sitting in a museum that that you know is is considered amazing, and it's considered amazing because somebody else said, "Yeah, you know what? This makes me think about something. This makes me feel in a particular way. This invokes some sort of space within my own being that makes me relate to that." And once you can look at your art, whatever it may be, whether it be painting or being a, a business person or even just being a good family member or a good friend, like you open yourself the opportunity to allow other people to connect with you and connect with themselves. And I know I was sitting down to paint with my brother and he was having a really hard time. He hadn't actually painted as far as I know his whole life. Like I don't, he couldn't remember the last time he'd sat down to paint. 
And I gave him the paints. I set him up with the brush and, and the canvas. And then I went to my painting and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do my thing. He's going to do his thing and it's all going to be great. And I look over to check on him and see how he's doing. And he's still just sitting there staring at the canvas with the brush in hand, not sure what to do. And I asked him, you know, well, are you stuck? Do you need ideas? What, you know, what can we do to help get the creative flow going? And his comment was that he didn't know where to start. He didn't know where to start painting. And so for me, my initial thought is, well, get paint on the get paint on the page. And so I walked up to his paper or his I walked up to his canvas and I took the paint that I had, which I think it was red paint, and I squeezed it and I squeezed a big blob of red paint in the middle of his canvas and like said, There you go, like it started, go from there. And he looked at me with just like the most upset face I could even describe it was just like I had ruined his whole painting because he had all these ideas of what he wanted it to be but he couldn't put it on the page because he didn't know where to start and then I came along and I just made it all red and so it was like but in that moment he realized that he was stopping himself because of the judgment he had on what he expected it to be rather than just allowing himself to play and from there he ended up creating a really beautiful piece that ended up being like um, like some Atlantean cave with like rainbowy colors in the background and it turned out really beautiful and just coming from a place where whenever he started being so stuck not even able to move not even able to take the brush and put it on the canvas because of that fear of well, what if it's not what I want it to be what if this isn't you know what if I can't display what I want to display and, and I think we experience that in all kinds of ways especially when it comes to our emotions and expressing ourselves because we do grow up in a society that does not encourage that expression and that self you know that need to be able to say this is what I feel this is what I desire this is what I want to create and how empowering it was for him to be able to lose control for one moment to just lose control something else stepped in and said all right here you go here's some here's some paint on the canvas for you and i think that's how life works really like when you're really stuck and you're like i'm not sure where i'm gonna go i don't know what i'm gonna do life steps in something comes in then you're put in a place where well now i have to make a decision now i have to do something with this giant blob of red paint because i know i don't want just a red canvas and so you know, being able to say, losing the expectations of exactly what you want it to be and playing with it in a way that is expressing yourself and then just allowing it to be, you know, whenever he started the painting, he didn't expect it to look like a, you know, Atlantean rainbow. He probably had some other really <laughs> different designs in his mind, but it was beautiful. It was an incredible painting and he was he was really happy with it. And so I think in life, sometimes we have a tendency to say, well, this is my expectation. I want this situation to turn out exactly like this. And if it's not exactly like this, I'm not gonna be happy. And that stops us from even putting ourselves in situations that allow us to experience what we want to experience in life. And so opening up the space for you to step in and say, you know what? Maybe I don't want a red a red wall, but I'm willing to put a little bit of paint on the canvas and try something new. Gives you the opportunity to experience things that you may never experience in life if you're holding those judgments over yourself or those expectations of exactly what things need to be and just rather letting them be as they as they flow. And that's it's one of my absolute favorite um, 
one of my favorite memories with my brother is that <laughs> that beautiful, beautiful creative piece that started off as just him being totally stuck and then finding his own power. And since then he's painted, maybe not a lot, but he enjoys it and it brings him happiness. And, you know, it's something that if he hadn't stepped into the opportunity to try, then he would have never been able to experience that. And, um, you know, I think that it's really, important that we all understand that we have divine expression. We all carry unique abilities within us that want to be expressed in, in, in our own unique individual ways. And it's hard to move forward sometimes because we hold that judgment of what's somebody else going to think? What, what is it going to be? Is it going to even be what I want it to be? But sometimes the beauty truly does come from just allowing it to be and taking action and if you take action and, and it moves in one direction and it's maybe not the exact colors you want or the shapes that you want allow it to mold and move and, and flow into something new and still use those other you know basic shapes that you started with to build from and to allow it to become what you want it to be but just maintaining that level of fluid action and not being so rigid about everything in life because this is what truly blocks us from being able to experience our realities and create what we what we want to you know what we want to live yeah and this is kind of the fundamentals of um allowing yourself to flow because any tension uh you know in the form of expression whether it whether it's dance whether it's art whether it's singing whether it's you know whatever it is any tension is coming from an expectation of what should happen when you move. You know, it's I'm feeling tense because my body is saying you have to move in this exact way. So it's causing this tension to make sure that you move in a certain way. So when you completely release any expectation, suddenly your body just flows, you know, in, in, in very strange ways that somebody might look at you and go, are you even human? Are you elastic? Like, what, what, where are your joints? <laughs> um, <laughs> because you're releasing the expectation of what your body should do or what it should look like or how it should be and more importantly the expectation of what other people um are, are wanting to see or, or going to think about it uh, and again it ties into our perceptions of reality because how we believe other people are seeing us or judging us even uh, really do affect us in in every way and uh, my, my experience with that is and growing up, um, my, my mum, before we ever went to school, she'd make sure you know, we did our hair. Something was done with our hair. We couldn't go to school with like bed hair or unless it was brushed and, and you know, she'd put loads of hairspray in it. And looking at old school photos, I thought we looked horrendous because she'd, <laughs> she'd brush it all flat and then just spike the tip. And it looked horrendous. Um, so all through my childhood, I grew up with you cannot go outside unless your hair has been brushed and styled and you know you have to it, it has to be done because people you know you, you can't be seen unless you look presentable so i noticed that and up until a few years ago i had this i couldn't go outside unless my hair was done i had to do something with my hair and even now to be honest i was anxious i was like oh no i haven't my hair doesn't look right so i had to go and sort my hair out before we came here today um so part of it's still stuck and the reason that, that I'd noticed a few years ago and, and why I'd managed to calm that down is because I realized, do you know what? Most people don't really care what your hair looks like. But because this was drummed into me from a young age, I believe that people did. I believe that people actually care if you haven't done your hair, 
if your clothes don't look quite right, if you wear, I don't know, green and blue, um, people are going to care because, you know, blue and green should never be seen. People care. No, they don't. <laughs> blue jeans and a green shirt a while ago. Nobody cared. You know, I didn't even care. Um, because it, it actually looked okay. It didn't look bad. It was just, you know, an old-fashioned saying that nobody even really remembers now. And it, it is it is a case of allowing yourself to let go of expectations of other people. Because when we say that, again, people care what my hair looks like, you are saying, I expect other people to expect this from me. And when we allow ourselves to let go of those external, it's not internal expectations, that's external expectations of what the world should expect from us. And even if we don't want them to expect that, we're saying the external world expects this of me, therefore I expect this of myself, therefore I need to control what I do. And this is where tension comes from. So when we allow ourselves to let go of those expectations, which is, is difficult and it takes time, it takes practice, it takes patience. Patience. Yeah, but when we do allow ourselves to let go of these expectations, we allow that, what we allow? We uh, experience life in more of a flow state and we uh, experience that flow state in all things because we're not holding that tension. We're not holding those expectations of what should and shouldn't happen. And we're just flowing with the moment and allowing whatever needs to happen um, to just be unadulterated, unchanged, untainted, unpoised, and just, just go with it, just flow, just let it happen. And this is a principle that comes from so many ancient religions and beliefs, is, and, and namely the Tao, is just flowing with the, the flow of life, the Tao of life. And when you finally reach the point of Tao, which is that the Buddhist in, uh, uh, the Buddhist equivalent of enlightenment, or the Tao equivalent of enlightenment, um, you, you, life begin, begins to just become magic. And there's no effort in anything because you are just in the pure Tao state or the pure flow of life. And nothing is uneasy, nothing is uncomfortable because you're just letting it happen. Because there is only ever discomfort if we're expecting something. If you expect something to be a certain way, when it's not that way, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be tense. It's going to be hurtful it's going to be depressing it's going to be sad it's going to be difficult it's going to be strange it's going to be weird whatever name you give it it's coming from the expectation of what should and should not be and what is and is not okay to happen in your reality which isn't to say that you shouldn't have boundaries at all you should always have boundaries but again it's allowing yourself to flow if maybe somebody there's two ways to look at it there's one that's yes have boundaries if somebody crosses them if you or, or if a situation is pushing your boundaries but you can also look at it in this way if a situation is starting to push your boundaries maybe it's the universe or life or the flow trying to mally uh, to, trying to mold you into something else just as water if you chuck water somewhere it's not going to conform to stay the cup of the shape of the cup it's going to spread out you've pushed the boundaries of that water by throwing it out of the cup. It now has no boundaries. It's like, well, where the hell do I stop? But it decides rather than to stay in the form of the cup, it allows itself to just flow to where it needs to, even though it's uncomfortable. It doesn't know what's about to happen. 
it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't know if it's about to evaporate and disappear, but the water still allows itself to flow no matter what situation it's in. So even when somebody is pushing your boundaries slightly, maybe it's an opportunity for you to grow and to flow in a different way or a different sense, or maybe to build up more of a torrent behind you so that you can flow through the obstacle that's pushing your boundary. Because something's pushing your boundary, it means there's something there that's pressing on that boundary. So maybe that torrent needs to be a bit stronger to hold those boundaries stronger. No, absolutely. I, I think too, Aaron, it's important to say that you're going to find nine times out of 10 people are wrapped up in their own realities. They're not even paying attention to what you, all these concerns that you have in your mind about what other people think or what other people are going to say. They're thinking the same things in their own minds as well. So whenever you're meeting another person and you're worried about what your hair looks like, they're probably worried about if their shirt's got wrinkles on it or if their shoes untied or whatever. So it's like you may have this perception that everybody that's around you is going to be noticing all of the little things that you notice about yourself when in reality they're probably paying attention to the stuff going on in their own space rather than rather than yours. And, and I know for myself that has given me so much freedom in a, the ability to not hold judgment and express myself. I was um, I was out for a hike about a week or so ago, and I was just I was really in a mood to sing, and I just wanted to sing, and I didn't care what anybody thought or said. And I went into the woods, and I'm singing Disney songs at the top of my lungs, just really enjoying myself. Normally, there's nobody out hiking where I go. I'm, I live in a remote area, but this this particular day, it was a very sunny and beautiful day in Missouri, and there were people hiking, and I had my eyes closed, I have my headphones in, I'm just singing, not paying any attention walking along and I noticed this group of people come walking up to me and and I'm at the top of a hill singing down a hill so I know they heard me because your voice carries and they come walking up and I'm I get so embarrassed I immediately am like oh my gosh these people just heard me sing Disney at the top of my lungs are they gonna be like are they gonna laugh are they gonna judge me like what's gonna happen they didn't even stop they just walked right on by as if nothing had happened, if they didn't hear a single thing. And you know, it was really empowering for me to be able to say, it didn't affect their reality because they were busy probably having their own conversations. And even if they did stop and notice my singing in the woods, maybe it created a conversation for them to then move on into their day. <laughs> maybe maybe I was able to share a little bit of that joy I was feeling in the moment with them as they moved on. But, you know, just being able to come to that situation of where in my mind I thought it was going to be like, oh my gosh, they were going to laugh at me. It was going to be this big situation and it wasn't even anything. It didn't end up being a situation at all. And I find that you know, it's like with your hair. Had you not messed with your hair today, nobody may have even noticed that you didn't have, you know, your hair put together. And so just just knowing that it really does come back to that limit that you place upon yourself. And so if you're feeling stagnant or if you're feeling stuck, just try to look in your own reality and say, where have I placed limits on myself? Where have I said I can't do this? Or where have I said that it's not okay to do that? And really look at why. What, where is this coming from? You know, if it's coming from a place of, well, in my past, somebody said it was not okay to sing Disney songs in the woods, you know, <laughs> like maybe I watched too many movies of people getting laughed at, you know, frolicking through the woods or whatever, you know, but 
really trying to find the root of the cause of why you feel that way. And then being able to shed light on that and say, okay, so this came from an unrealistic expectation that was placed upon me from a movie I watched 10 years ago. Now I know where this comes from and I can release it and I don't have to worry about it anymore because it's not a valid explanation to feel the way that I feel. And I, I feel that that comes into play when it, when it comes to a lot of different things in life, when you're experiencing being stuck or unmotivated, just allowing yourself to find that play and hold no judgment and give yourself the opportunity to express because you never know, you might, you might just change somebody else's day by singing through the woods. <laughs> Disney song. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just I, as you were you were talking about that, I was thinking um, of, of like modern the modern world. You know, if you walk through a city or a town singing, people would look at you and go, "Why are you singing? Why are you singing? Why are you singing? Stop singing!" Uh, <laughs> and I'd say it, society has this expectation that. You can only do, you, you know, you can only sing around loads of people if you're on a stage, if you're performing. You can't walk through town singing because that's not what sane people do. <laughs> but why? Because our hearts want to express. And society has got so closed off from its expressions. You know, we express ourselves with our faces. Okay, but what about our bodies? <laughs> you know, we can express happiness or sadness, anger and anxiety, whatever, for our face. But we can't express ourselves to the extent that our body needs us to because society has over the last you know at least 100 years or so that it's not right to express yourself around other people and some people take it a step further and say that if you're singing happy stuff in public you're rubbing it in someone else's face that you're so happy but then there's another way to look at it that if somebody's feeling sad and as you said seeing somebody singing through the street and clearly being happy and you know, dancing and singing in the street how many people would that make happy you might get those who get upset and a bit angry or a little bit frustrated or whatever that you're singing and dancing in the street but the the, the chances are that you're going to make more people happy than you're going to irritate them you know um because it is it is important for us as as human beings or just living beings to work to uplift and, and almost channel the energy of humanity you know when we're spreading happiness we're channeling that for those who who experience what we're what we're performing um and, and tuning in with the, the portal of your heart and allowing your heart to just flow and to do what it needs to do you know if you feel that your heart wants to sing it doesn't matter where you are just sing allow yourself to just express what you're what you're feeling in that moment because you may then find i mean you, you could find if you're walking through town singing you might get a couple of other people join you and start skipping through town when you're singing you know you never know what's around the corner so you don't know who you're going to impact without even meaning to and you might not you might never know that you had an impact but the fact is that you know that little old lady who Maybe her husband passed away a year ago and she hasn't, you know, she hasn't seen much happiness since. And then she sees you singing, uh, I don't know, some Snow White song skipping through town. Suddenly she's found a reason to smile again. And she goes home and says to, to her children, um, you know, her children come, come on to, you know, how are you, mum? Are you okay? Yeah, no, I saw this lovely person singing through town. It made me feel, made me smile. I feel really good. 
suddenly you've just changed an entire family's date. It's not just this little old lady, it's her children and then her grandchildren because she's now found a reason to smile. Maybe that day was her grandson's birthday. And suddenly rather than frowning and being a little bit miserable at her grandson's birthday party, she's smiling and she's laughing and giggling because she's finally found that reason to smile again because of something that you expressed publicly for somebody else to experience as well as you. Absolutely. I think that's why it's so that's why I think it's so important that we express our hearts and be able to allow ourselves the space to just be whatever it is that we need to be and not hold those judgments or expectations over ourselves and say, you know what, I'm going to show up today with the best of my ability with my whole heart and I'm going to hold good intentions and I'm going to be positive and move forward with your day and, and allow it to be because absolutely, Aaron, the tiny little things that we do each and every day, they do, they ripple out and they affect other people that we don't even know. And I think that's really powerful as a human to be able to, by simply expressing what lives within our hearts, change other people's lives. Just by simply, just by doing something that makes me happy, I'm gonna change somebody's life. That's incredible, that's so powerful. And every human has the capability of doing this. I think a lot of it is just trying to figure out how to ungunk the the heart and, and get the, the dust away and, and get the junk that's been corroded around it because of all the trauma we've been through or all the things that people said, no, you can't sing in public, you know? And it's like, once you figure out all of the reasons why your heart is not expressing itself and you kind of just show it that love and you give it that space to heal and that space to be, and then you begin to express it. How many lives can you change? Even if just for a day, even if just for one day. And, and to me, I know that's, that's enough to know that, you know, if me if me showing up and singing a Disney song in the woods is gonna bring a smile to your face, well then I'll do it every single day because it doesn't take any anything from me to do that. And um, I think that's where as a society, as humanity, I think that's where we're all gonna really be able to grow and heal as a collective is just being able to create spaces for us to share our heart song and, sing what lives within our being, express ourselves however we choose to do so. If it's not hurting anybody else, if it's not causing others pain, then express it. Allow yourself to be and, and play. And, and it comes back to that, you know, that failure aspect of, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to fail at this. I, you know, well, then just hold the expectation that it has to be something. Just because you're singing doesn't mean you have to be the world's next you know, Britney Spears or whatever, whatever famous pop star you want. But, um, you know, just knowing that just being yourself in the moment exactly as you are is good and it's beautiful and it's really unique and amazing just because you are who you are. And um, yeah, creating more spaces like that, I think is going to be really important moving moving forward and, and healing with humanity and allowing us to experience the realities that we want to ex experience. You know, I, I'm not naive. I know there's a lot going in the world right now. I know that there are plenty of things happening that is putting us all in a place of feeling negative or worrisome, but I can't control all of things that are happening outside of my reality. I can't choose what is going on or what decision you're going to make or what decision my neighbor is going to make, but I can control my own and I can be aware of what's happening in my own spaces. 
and I can make the choice every single day to wake up and find a way to be motivated, to find a way to be positive, to say, you know what, I'm not going to let all of these things that are happening in the world squander my joy. Like I'm still going to wake up and find a reason, even if it is just singing to myself in my house, it lifts my spirit and it brightens my mood and I feel better. And that can then move on and continue to make somebody else feel better. You know, if I smile at somebody at the store and that makes their whole day, that's amazing. Let's keep doing that. You know, we don't have to ignore all the things that are happening in the world. It's actually pretty important to pay attention to them and be aware of what's happening. That's how we begin to change our realities and live in the realities that we desire for ourselves. You are not a victim of this world. You are a creator of it. And you have the power to do whatever it is that you want to do. Just take baby steps at a time if you need to. But, you know, start off with waking up and saying you can do it and allowing yourself the opportunity to do whatever, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> Exactly, and, and and this is how um, I know you wanted to, you wanted to touch on this, Kristen. Is how our individual or personal realities intertwine with the perceptions of other people's realities, and, and it is true. You know, when you express yourself and and you kind of embody your truth, and you choose to live in a way that feels right for you, you will also then influence somebody else's life and how they choose to live and how they decide they want to live which quite literally influences their reality because they begin to see, oh, I don't have to live like this because you're living your truth. You're going out and, and living your dream. Well, that means I can too. That means I can go out and I can win the world. You know, I can do all these things that you're doing. And, and I know that because I'm seeing it happen. I know it can happen. Therefore, I know that I can make it happen within me as well. Absolutely. And that's that's the magic of it, isn't it? That's the true magic of it. And and the thing is, is, you know, you don't have to hold the expectation of yourself of, oh, OK, I'm going to sing today so I can change somebody else's world. It can just be just be and express yourself. And that by itself, just by simply being in your true authentic nature, by expressing whatever it is that your heart wants to express, that's how you're going to be able to make those changes. It doesn't have to be this big pressure of, of you know, oh, what am I supposed to do to, to make the world a better place? Just be better, wake up and, and make the choice to be happy and, and to do things that you love and to go out and pick up the trash that's that's in the streets or, you know, whatever you're passionate about. If you want to see more spaces in the world for people to be happy, create them. And it, it has to start with with you and, and with every action you take and just knowing that it's okay to be just exactly where you are right now, but you have the ability to be exactly where you want to be as well. And so, you know, just, just really understanding that. And I, I think too, it comes back to the, neurons that we have in our brain where we spend the majority of our time in our minds thinking about what we can control planning it out being in our minds about what's going on and how we're perceiving and all of this stuff and we build up those pathways in our minds physically with chemicals whereas if we spend more time connecting with our sensory abilities connecting with our expression connecting with 
whatever it is that is not so focused on that control aspect, but the flow aspect, you're going to build those neural pathways and make those stronger. And it gets easier as time goes on, as opposed to being at first, it's hard. It is because you're you're doing something new, but the more you do it, the, the more you repeat yourself and the more you bring that into your space, the easier it is, the stronger those connections get. And um, yeah, the, the joy that can come from it is, absolutely truly amazing yeah. and and the uh i think the majority of people know the, the the saying um how do you change the world with one act of random kindness at a time and with this we're not we're not just talking about an act of random kindness for a stranger or for for somebody that we even know it's an act of random kindness within ourselves being kind to you allowing yourself to play allowing yourself to do the things you want to do allowing yourself to rest and to recover when you're feeling stressed but if you have a day you wake up and you think i just i don't want to do anything today i need to rest acknowledge that acknowledge that your body is saying i need more sleep i need to rest i need a day where i don't do anything because i've been doing too much so allowing your body to just recover and that doesn't mean that you're not succeeding for a day. It doesn't mean your success stops. It actually means that you're allowing yourself the time to stop, to recover, so you can do more success. Because if you're just focused on success, success, success every day, nonstop, you're going to wear yourself out. And fair enough, you know, you could be one of those people that can go seven days a week and never have a day off work. And, and to be honest, if you're one of those people um, please share your secrets because it's one of those things that it seems only a few of us, um, you know, are able to do. And I know that there's some very successful people that do work seven days a week for unthinkable hours and they do manage. And it's not to say that it's not doable, but at the same time, when your body says, okay, we need a rest, we need a little bit of sleep, acknowledge that. Don't feel that you have to push through every moment of tiredness and every bit of weakness um because at the end of the day if you push yourself too far your body and your mind could just shut down and this is where you know mental breakdowns happen or physical ailments can happen because your body is is stressed or is in a is in a state of dis-ease and the same with your mind if it's in a state of dis-ease for too long you'll have manifestations of that dis-ease and again, how this works is energy. So if your mind is stressed, you are stress isn't really, you know, you've got things like cortisone and things, you know, chemicals that create stress. But stress in itself, again, is an energy. So when you hold this energy in your consciousness for, for so long, the energy then begins to transfer to your physical body. And then just as we're made up of, um, of energy that's converged onto one place to say well this is you that energy of stress does the same thing it collects and builds up and this is how tumors form because that stress energy is manifesting in a is basically clumping up and when energy clumps up the same as you know how this phone or this stick is physical matter is energy clumping up and saying well this is where we're going to stay now and stress will build up and build up and build up in energy and discomfort and dis-ease in the body and then it creates a tumor which then becomes disease which then becomes a physical thing that you need intervention to get rid of or to treat so by combating this by saying okay i'm feeling very stressed i've been stressed for a week straight 
let's have a day where we rest, where we play, where we do things that make us feel good and ease the stress because you then minimize the risk of turning any dis-ease into disease because dis-ease and disease are two different, they may, may sound very similar, but they're two completely different things. One is just you're not, you're not comfortable, you're not feeling okay, you might feel a little bit in the clouds, you might not feel grounded, you might feel a bit uncomfortable. That doesn't mean you're diseased. It just means that you're not in a place where you're comfortable, where your body is in alignment with how it should be, where things, you know, things are in balance when you're at ease. When you're diseased, that's when balance starts to tip and you start to be a bit uncomfortable, not quite on your A game. You can't quite think straight. You get stressed, you get angry, you get frustrated at everything. And if you stay in that in that frame of mind or that state of being for too long, you will create physical manifestations of the things that you're feeling. So it is so important to allow yourself to have a break when you need it. And you know, society seems to have this toxic belief that if you don't do so, if you if you spend an entire day not doing anything, you're not succeeding. When actually that's completely wrong because it is just as important to take rest as it is to work hard. It is really important to work. You know, you always need to work hard. When you put your mind to something, work hard at it. Go at it with everything you have and put all of your passion into it so you get the best results. Because there's no point, you know, if you're, say you're an architect and you're designing a building. Well, there's no good designing that building half-heartedly because that building's going to be there probably for a good few hundred years before, anything, you know, at least. So put everything into that design because that design is going to impact something somewhere along the line or some people. You know, somebody might go to the top of that building and have their, you know, maybe they propose to their husband or wife at the top of the building that you designed. So make sure that that building is as beautiful as you can make it. So when you put your all and you, your passion, your heart and soul, your blood, sweat and tears into every project that you put your mind to, beautiful things, miracles will happen. But at the same time, rest is just as important as how much effort, blood, sweat and tears and heart and soul and energy you put into everything. They both go hand in hand because at the end of the day, you can't work hard unless you rest hard. And you can't rest hard unless you work hard because otherwise you're not resting, you're just being. So it's important to have that balance of hard work and, and good rest. Absolutely. And I personally think that if you take a day of rest, you are succeeding at taking care of yourself. So you are still succeeding. It's a matter of changing your perception of the idea of success. What does success look like? You know, and seeing that success looks like being able to acknowledge when you need to rest or you know, I know it can be, we can come back to this idea of like toxic positivity and saying, oh, okay, well, if I'm manifesting my reality, then I want to be positive all the time, right? Because I don't want to manifest anything into my space that's not positive or good. But by doing that, by maintaining that mentality, you're actually keeping yourself from expressing the things that need to be expressed. If you feel angry and you tell yourself, I don't feel angry. I don't feel angry. No, I don't actually feel that way. But you do actually really feel that way on the inside. You're, you're creating this space of like, okay, well now this little thing that I've invalidated in my being is gonna grow and it's gonna become heavier and it's gonna grow and become heavier the longer I ignore it, the longer I don't express it because it is energy. Everything is energy, right? And it stores within our bodies. And so giving yourself the opportunity to express is actually allowing those energies to expel from your body. So I know for myself, it's very important to maintain that 
level with my own being of saying, okay, how am I today? What's going on within my space? You know, yes, I want to manifest positivity and love into my life, but what else is happening in my reality that might be creating that dis-ease and acknowledging it and giving it space to be. And here's the key. You you give it the space, right? You say, okay, I'm I'm not feeling great today. You know what? I'm really angry with this particular situation or this 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 thing. Okay, I'm angry. We'll we'll focus on anger. How do I express my anger rather than holding it in my body? For me, I do physical. I, I move. I, I work out. I'll go for a run. I'll, you know, have a maybe I'll scream into a pillow. I don't know. It kind of depends on what what the emotions are, but giving yourself the opportunity to bring that energy that is in your body and sending it out of your body and then it no longer has to have that hold or effect on you and then you can move on to manifesting your positivity and love into your life um you know because then you don't have this thing that you've ignored whereas if you sit there and you try to tell yourself i don't feel angry i don't have anger i am peace trinity 24 7 you're denying a part of yourself you're, you're you're keeping yourself from accepting what is what is going on in your space which is going to create that this ease that you're talking about which is going to just ripple out into all the other places of your life you're not going to be able to be as truly happy because you still have this underlying level of whatever emotions or spaces in your own mind that you're not paying attention to or giving a space to be and creating that space for these emotions to exist, be whatever they need to be and be released is the freedom of it all. Because otherwise, if you hold on to it, well, then it's going to sit there and fester and grow and turn into something that's going to eventually come out into your life in a way that maybe isn't as manageable. You know, maybe then you, maybe then you accidentally yell at somebody that you didn't mean to, or, you know, you create a situation for yourself that's going to to affect your reality in a way that is just not how you even need to experience it. And so just being able to stop and check in with yourself every day and say, what do I feel? What's going on in my space? And try to look at it from an outside perspective, not so much from your own being of, well, I'm I'm feeling sad today because I'm stuck in my head because of that one conversation I had a week ago and it's still affecting me now. Because otherwise you're still being within your body. You're still holding that stuff inside of you. Whereas if you take yourself out and you look at it from a third party viewer's perspective and you say, okay, Kristen's looking upset today because she had something happen a few weeks ago. I acknowledge what happened. I give, I gave you the space to feel how you feel. And then in that moment with that particular situation, I'm actually going to sit and have a conversation with myself and say, okay, well, can we change the situation? Is there anything we can do to go back in time and change it? No, I can't. I can't go back and take back my words, but what can I do in this now moment? What can I physically do in this now moment to bring this level of discomfort within my being into a place of comfort. And if it means reaching out to that person and having a new conversation or saying, hey, I'm sorry I said that thing, or maybe it's just letting it be and accepting the fact that sometimes we say things we don't mean in life and, and moving on from it. But regardless of how you interact with it, it's the acknowledgement of what's going on in your life that's gonna really bring you into that place of healing and allowing yourself to move forward. So. Absolutely. And what I noticed as you went through that kind of process was you started with the willingness 
uh, of acceptance. Now, the willingness, now the, the vibrational scale of consciousness, um, and this is this is measurable with you know measuring the frequencies of of thought as we you know think of different things, such as like shame resonates at like twenty hertz and fear at a hundred hertz, um, but willingness is three hundred and ten hertz. So what you were in the process of doing there was you started off with the willingness to 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 acknowledge something, and then you acknowledge and accept. And acceptance resonates at 350 hertz. But then you moved up to reason. You're saying, okay, well, this is how you're feeling. Can we do anything about that? So you start to reason with it, which then rises, it raises your, your physical vibration to uh, 400 hertz. And then you send yourself love in that situation, which you then go to 500 hertz. So you start to raise the physical vibration of your body. And your body is just, and there is loads of science behind you know, the vi vibration when uh, when we talk about physical vibrations um it is a very physical thing because we are just atoms vibrating close close enough together to give us the illusion of physical bodies and, and material so when we move through this rather than look contracting our feelings and when we you know if we if we're ashamed of how we feel that's kind of at the lowest point 20 hertz very low vibration and we feel very closed off we don't have much energy well because we we're not vibrating fast enough we're vibrating very slowly at just 20 hertz so of course we're not going to have much physical energy because we're we're just like i'm ashamed of myself i just and you'll notice when you feel shame you hang your head you start to go low you start to go down physically as your vibration drops so does the rest of your body unashamed and the same with guilt as well and guilt resonates at just 30 hertz and apathy at 50 and grief at 75 and when you begin to accept what you're feeling and reason with that and send yourself love in that moment for how you're feeling and to see if you can work a way to change how you're feeling you're raising your physical vibration and you're accepting things because if you don't accept it your vibration is going down then you start to feel uh, you know you start to feel angry or you start to desire feeling better mm -hmm. and desire is i think it's a uh it's a tw uh, 125 hertz is desire so when you're thinking i want to feel better you're at that lower vibration where you're like i want to but i'm not allowing myself to so then when you start to let go of that pride and you start to show the courage um, and courage is you, you're moving up again and again and again courage and you be courageous and you're like okay i don't want to acknowledge these feelings it makes me feel a bit uneasy but i'm going to anyway i'm going to acknowledge them and then i'm going to accept that i'm feeling crap today okay i feel angry okay so why do we feel angry what can we do about this can we change the situation can we go somewhere else can we change can they change what can we do and no matter what the answer is just say okay well let's figure this out let's just be here be in the moment let's just love this moment because it's just taught me something it's just taught me that i can't change the situation or it's taught me that i can change the situation either way send yourself love and really just sit there and feel you know place your hand on your heart and just say to yourself i send myself love because right now i need it and i'm doing okay no matter what decision i make i'm doing what's best for me in this moment and just allowing yourself to feel that love from within and really when we show ourselves unconditional love we begin to see love in all things it's the same as when you begin to see yourself as you know if i see myself as the same as this stick i will show this love this if i hate myself i'm going to hate the stick i'm going to snap it 
if I show myself love at the same time as show, seeing everything else as myself, I'm showing everything else the same amount of love as myself. Because our ability to love others or anything outside of ourselves is the same as our ability to love ourselves. If we don't love ourselves, we can't. And you, you can say that you love something, but unless you truly love yourself, you are loving everything else in the exact same way. And I, I just want to touch for, for a moment on, on the differences in love, because love is one of those words that we throw around. You know, it's like, oh, I love this. I love that. I love this stick. I love my phone. Oh, I, I love this stick. I, I love the way it feels. I love the way. It... OK, it's a word that we use so much to, to just express things we like. I really like this stick. I might love it. Yeah, OK. Um, and in this sense, for me to truly love this stick. <laughs> OK, let's not use that analogy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> true love now true love if you truly love someone if you love um a person or say a dog it means that you you want the best for them no matter what you are irrelevant in that situation to say i love you means i see you i accept you and i want nothing but the best for you and it doesn't matter about me i don't matter this is about you I am telling you that I want nothing but good for you. And how how, how I always like to, to envision this kind of analogy is if a partner left you a note saying that they'd gone off somewhere else, but they were really, really happy and you didn't need to worry. You know, they were OK. They were safe. And this is somebody that you you, you said to them, I love you. You, know, you said that a lot to them, but they're, they're not there. Well, if you truly, truly love this person, of course, it's going to you might be feeling pain. You might be feeling anger or resentment. That's perfectly OK. But the reality is, if you are angry at that person because they're not with you, if you're upset because they're happy with somebody else, that's not you. That love that you believe you feel for them isn't quite pure because pure love, if you see your partner, with somebody else but they're truly happy beyond the hurt and beyond the pain that you're feeling inside of yourself you will still find happiness for them because you're seeing well you're happy you're safe you're okay well i'm happy for you that doesn't say that that doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't be hurt you shouldn't feel pain you shouldn't be upset or whatever because it's natural but the difference is on the one hand, you're angry at them because it's not you. Okay, that's called selfish love. It's I love you because you give me something that I don't get from someone else. And this is why you can love a thousand different people, but you can only be in love with one person. Because true love, when you're truly in love with somebody, you're wanting the best, not just for you, but for them as well. And that's true love. But selfish love says, I love what you give me. I love how you make me feel. <laughs> but then when they're taken away, you say, OK, well, you're not giving me anything now. OK, <laughs> you know, so love is one of those words that I, I, I notice being thrown around here, there and everywhere. Um, and it's often very intriguing when you kind of present a person with that question of what if this happened, how would you feel? Because too often the, the the question kind of results in more selfish love as opposed to really intimate, deep, uh, pure love. Because it is one of those feelings that 
and I think as a society we've confused love with with many of with, with you know lust and desire and, and cravings and things um, and this this all comes you know from the last few hundred years um, and, and pleasure you know pleasuring ourselves in many different things like this stick gives me brings me pleasure it doesn't necessarily mean I'm in love with the stick it just means it brings me some level of pleasure so it's important to differentiate the differences between love and, and, and pleasure and things like that. And really understanding that concept when it comes to loving the self. Because when you when you really understand that to love yourself means that you want the best for you no matter what, which is something that we always want anyway. But when we incorporate that, knowing that I'm always trying to do what's best for me and realizing actually every single time I'm doing those things that I think are best for me, I'm showing myself a level of pure love that maybe I haven't noticed before. And then we begin to realize, actually, do you know what? I truly already do love myself. I've just forgotten because I misunderstood what the word love really meant. Because we all naturally, we love ourselves. We love ourselves enough to say, right, okay, who's going to die? It's either you or you. Now, our natural instinct is to say, I want to live, <laughs> you know? And it, it's very difficult to then say, actually, no shoot me because I want this person to live. Again, that's an act of love for somebody else because you're saying, I don't care what happens to me. I want you to be okay. That's pure love. You're sacrificing yourself for somebody else. But then when we sacrifice somebody else to save ourselves, that's an act of pure love for ourselves. And that may be seen as selfish. And of course, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it, it would be a bit selfish, but it's still an act of pure love. And when we understand that instinctively and at our core, at our basic level, we love ourselves unconditionally anyway. When we begin to realize that and embody more of that and say, well, I already love myself, so why not build on that? I've already loved myself enough to survive, to go out every day and make sure I come back alive and go to sleep and wake up alive again. Then why don't I just build on that? Why don't I just show myself more of that love that I've already had since the day I was born? Mm. We begin to see transformations in the way that we act and the way that we believe in ourselves and the way we talk about ourselves and talk to ourselves. Um, because really when we show ourselves unconditional love, that's when miracles truly happen within the self. Absolutely, it always comes back to that unconditional love, right? Where it's, you have to really look at yourself and say, what conditions have I placed upon this love? And if you can find one, then it is not unconditional love. And it's a hard reality to accept whenever you're really trying to work towards that level of love, of, of really acceptance and holding no conditions. But I can tell you from my own experience, whenever you find a place of truly loving without conditions yourself or other people or whatever it is that you're doing, that's where you find the true joy that comes from the love, you know, and, and it, it doesn't matter then at the end of the day if if that person is doing that particular thing or, or, if they're, or if they're being there for you in the way that you want them to, or even if they are providing for you what they said they would, it doesn't, none of that matters because at the end of the day, if you are holding no expectations over that love, that's where the pure joy comes from because you are truly happy for them in, in their own experience and what's happening for them. And you can also see that whenever you don't hold the judgment over them in their experience, because everybody's experience is valid. Everything that you experience on a daily basis is completely valid. And if you're going to show up for somebody else in a place of conditions of saying, I'm going to give you my love, 
if you do this or you know here's my love it's free but then as soon as you act this particular way or you say this particular thing i'm taking my love back you know that's that's placing dissonance and discord within your own space because now you have to keep up with those conditions now you have to pay attention to them and say okay well i'm gonna say i'm only gonna love this person whenever they act this way well then i have to be paying attention to that and that's creating so much stress and anxiety within your own space that you just don't need. And if you allow yourself to drop into that place of, I'm not gonna hold conditions over this, expectations over this, I'm gonna allow this situation to just be whatever it needs to be, and I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna flow with it, you find you find pure joy that nobody can take from you. Then, then it is not, I don't feel good because of this love that's happening in my life. I feel good because of the love that I've accepted within my being rather than needing it from somebody else or needing it from an outside source. I can just go back to my own body and say, you know, I am myself. I, I am love within myself and I don't need to place these expectations upon other people or other situations in order to feel okay. Because in this now moment, I am embodying unconditional love and it's all going to be okay no matter what happens at the end of the day if we are all safe if we have food if we have roof over our head even if we just have our being wherever we are in this moment and you can find that happiness within you no matter what is happening in your external experience it's a it's a level of peace that just is it's almost undescribable it really is because it's like when nothing can take your joy away then you truly feel in your own power and you're able to show up for yourself in ways that you never expected to be able to show up for yourself before and yeah just being able to experience your reality from that place of unconditional love and it's it's hard it's a journey it really is able to say you know how do i even unlearn the expectations that we've put because we're not raised in a society where we are taught what unconditional love even looks like. And so being sure that we are setting ourselves up for opportunities to learn and being gentle with yourself while you're in the process, it's okay if you come to a situation where you think you were giving somebody unconditional love, like let's say you have a really good friend that you you say, oh my gosh, I love you no matter what, everything, I'm always going to be here for you. And then you find out that your friend is you know, experiencing being addicted to drugs and, and has, you know, hurt, hurt somebody or something. And now they're out on the street looking for a place to be and they come to you and you say, oh, I can't love you anymore because of these conditions that I've put upon my love for you. You're creating a space for yourself that is only going to make life so much more difficult because it's not in congruence with that unconditional love. And, um, you know, then you've also you've also made this friend feel unworthy or unable, and then you've furthered their own path as well. And so, yeah, I just encourage you that if you are struggling to connect with that level of unconditioned, always ask yourself whenever you're in a place of expressing that love for others, what conditions have I placed upon this, and are they reasonable? Is there a way that I can work through this situation without those conditions? And um, I'm I'm really grateful you brought up unconditional love in a relationship because I think that it's so important if we're going to say that we're going to be there for somebody you know that it doesn't matter if, if I'm going to say you know what I'm going to love you unconditionally for the rest of your life that's saying I'm going to love you unconditionally right so if you come to me in three years and you say 
you know what, I'm, I'm not happy. I, 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 I wake up every day and I'm stagnant in what I'm doing and, and I just don't find joy and, and whatever's going on. And, and maybe I think you and I taking some time apart would, would bring me joy. Well, I'm not saying you have to just flow with it, but honor their opinions, honor their respect. If that's what they feel they need, hold space for that person because you might find at the end of the day that maybe the relationship doesn't need to be thrown away. Maybe they just needed space to be heard and to be seen and to be felt. But if they know that they come to you with this, with this feeling and you're going to hold conditions over them, they're less likely to come to you with their authentic truth. And then you might end up in a situation where you split apart and then you go your own ways and you know, you're not living your, your most authentic life because you wanted to live it with that person. And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's really in your best interest. Like you said, that act of self-love, it may seem selfish in it, in a sense of like, you know, oh, well, I'm doing this so I can feel better, but it's not because you're really holding that space for the people around you as well to, to understand what unconditional love is and to know that they can then turn around and be in their authentic truth and that it's going to be okay and that there can be, you know, a solution or a workaround or a way to, um, you know, find that expression in a way that is healthy and motivating for each and every person involved in the situation. So. Absolutely. Uh, and, and again, you know, if your partner, if you're in a relationship and your partner comes to you and says that they feel they need space apart. And, and even if that means that the relationship is, has come to an end, again, with, with real love. And this is, this is a point I, I, I kind of make uh, often in the sense of relationships is all too often people will come out of a relationship and resent each other and they'll fight and they'll argue. And, and sometimes it's not a case that the, the two people don't love each other. It's more a case they allow their personal feelings to overshadow the love that they actually feel for that person. So when we act out of almost impulse, you know, we say, okay, well, I love you, but I'm feeling really hurt. So I want to let you know that you've hurt me. Again, that is overshadowing the love because to really love somebody, even if they hurt you, you're not going to really rub it in their face and say, you've really hurt me. I need to make sure it's drummed so far into your head that you've hurt me because that causes the other person pain. Mm. And when you really love somebody you don't want to cause them pain so again it kind of accepting okay well this is what you need well i love you enough to let you go in a sense of a relationship it doesn't mean that you then have to become enemies and never talk because it could be that actually you work really well together just a relationship isn't right for you and maybe it was right for you but then as time went on the relationship you know after many years in the relationship maybe it just you became friends in the relationship and they said well i want more than just friends it doesn't mean that they say, I don't want you in my life. It's just that they're saying, I, I need more than what we have, but I love what we have. I just need more in a relationship. So then you can say, okay, well, I understand this isn't, this isn't right, but that doesn't mean we have to throw away what we do have. It just means that we're accepting what we had has ended but now we can build something new. We can build a bit better friendship. Now we're, we're saying, okay, well, we're not in a relationship. Well, let's focus on a friendship. Let's build on the things that we do still have that work. You know, maybe you, maybe, you know, you, you're not very loving towards each other. You know, you're not very passionate or intimate anymore. 
but every weekend you go to a studio and you paint or maybe you go to yoga classes together or you go on hikes together okay still do those things it doesn't mean that you you have to leave each other's lives mm. it's just adjusting to a new way of being in their life but all too often and it's completely is understandable it's human we allow our emotions and our feelings because if one person's not in love anymore but one person still is mm. it's very difficult but again this is where pure love gives that difference because you're then able when we recognize what is pure love and what's not and the meaning of the two we're then able to say okay well yeah this really hurts but in time i will adjust to this just as one day you you know you look at somebody and say well i see you as a friend two years later you could see them as an intimate lover that you want to marry mm. you adjust to things feelings change you might then meet somebody and you say okay well this doesn't feel too I'm, I'm more okay with just being friends with you now because i've met this person who wow makes me feel incredible your feelings and your emotions just change um so it's really important to just recognize what's coming up uh, and and to adjust as opposed to just throw things away because um you know it's not the same as what it was um which is you know too easy to do way too easy to do but then the best things in life are, are rarely very rarely easy um No, absolutely. I, I, I'd like to bring up the fact too that um, whenever we are in these situations where we're experiencing, um, you know, discord in relationships, something can happen, and you are experiencing a situation where maybe the the relationship was bad, okay, and and you guys did need to split and not be together anymore, okay, and then you go on your own ways and you say that, you know. I'm, the way that I remember the relationship was that it was that it was all negative and that it was all bad and that everything that happened was just this horrible experience of life, right? And in their own realities, they're probably experiencing something very much the same of like, you know, what this person was bad, the relationship ended bad, everything's nothing's good there, right? So in your own spaces, you're experiencing all of the negativity that happened. But if you stop for a moment and you and you look at the relationship and you say, okay, well I can see all these bad things <laughs> bad things that happened, but I can stop for a moment. <laughs> together <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh sorry in that in that moment i needed to laugh <laughs> you know but look being able to look and say okay well maybe not everything was bad maybe some of the things that happened were were positive and um being able to see that in your experience of looking at it from all the negativity that happened you created something that was completely negative and had nothing positive in it right and then you've got this void of your life where all these negative things are going on but if you are able to then focus back on 
sure this relationship was bad we didn't vibe everything was you know there were negative things that happened but there was a positive <laughs> a positive that happened here or there like oh this person was kind to me or they helped me whenever i was feeling down or maybe they helped clean the house you know and you're able to kind of look back at the positive things that did happen you can actually bring that positivity into your reality and saying that you're not <laughs> necessarily <laughs> that the whole situation wasn't bad, but that there's positive things that happened too. And so I'm just for, for everyone on Spotify, we're live on YouTube with <laughs> some comments. Um, Kristen, I, I'm intrigued. What is the the story of the turtle? Turtle propaganda. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, personally, I think turtles are really great. They teach us how to be slow and enjoy our, enjoy our environment. And they also teach us how to take care of ourselves. But other than that, I have no idea um what what exactly we're talking about with the turtles, Murder turtles kind of Maybe it's showing the turtles unconditional love you know it, turtles need unconditional love they're so under recognized for the amount of work that they do i mean for goodness sakes they carry their entire house on their back everywhere they go <laughs> And so, you know, I feel like turtles deserve a little bit of praise and, and acknowledgement of the effort and the love that it takes to take care of their space and, you know, to have the patience of moving through life, of just holding that patience in their hearts. That's, that's the lesson that we, we take from turtles. Is the, <laughs> we, we, although we carry everything with us in our little shells, we don't always have to hide away. You know, we can carry them with pride. We can carry everything that's going on and say do you know what? i'm going to do it anyway yeah it's heavy but i'm going to move slowly and i'm going to get there in the end you know no matter how long it takes me <laughs> we'll always we'll always survive we'll always get through just as the turtle always manages to reach the beach every year to lay its eggs <laughs> and, and on that note uh i think we uh You know, also, <laughs> turtles grow. <laughs> As the turtles grow, their homes grow too. So they really, they. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's been a, a, a very enlightening conversation <laughs> 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 it's, been, it's been absolutely lo lovely Aaron thank you for this amazing discussion about life and um, turtle <laughs> Uh, 
No, and, and the the allowance for self-expression, you know, it's it's so important and the healing energy that comes with laughter. So I hope if you guys have enjoyed the the laughter from today, you know, take that beautiful energy and just continue to live inspired and um, motivated to live in unconditional love and uh, judgment-free action and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and we will be back at the same time next week. <laughs> and over the next couple of weeks as well, we will have some special guests joining us to talk about everything from reality and, and personal perceptions to aliens and alien life and wisdom from hidden realms that we can't consciously access, or can we? And uh, see where the journey takes us. Um, but for now, uh, let's uh, bring the conversation to a, not an end, but to a pause for the next week until we come back again and continue the quest of finding Shangri-La.